welcome to Firmly Planted Podcast, where we get to dive into the scriptures for our everyday lives. Please do not forget to subscribe and to share this episode with your family, with your friends, and anyone who you think would benefit from our discussion today. Now, without further ado, let's dive in to the scriptures together. Welcome uh, once again to Firmly Planted Podcast, where we get to dive into the scriptures together. And if you do not know, I am a youth pastor in Florida in the Panhandle, and I am going to be doing something a little bit different, but I hope that it will be a benefit to you, and it will also be a benefit to our students that I get to serve. I will be uploading the messages that I speak on Wednesday nights. Now, most of the time, it's going to be another recording of the message, not a live recording, but either way, it will be the message that I had spoke that week with our students. And so I hope that it will be a benefit to you in getting into the Word of God together. It'll be a benefit as well to our students to go back and look at and listen to uh, what we talked about, maybe hit some main points, whatever that is. But before we go into that, I want to share what's happening within our student ministry. And the reason why I'm doing this and why it's so important is because the series that we are currently going through is a hinge point series. I'm calling it Impact. And the reason why we're doing a series called Impact is because we have now changed our name and our identity as a student ministry as Impact Student ministry. But why would I change the name? Because you, whether you are a part of our church or not, you may be wondering why is that so important? Isn't it just a name change? Is it just semantics? Is it just branding? Branding is a small portion of it. But in reality, the reason why I feel like we needed to make a name change is because I feel like we needed to make an identity change. Let me explain. I want our ministry and the purpose of what we do to have purpose, to have a clear vision, vision, to have a definition of what we are about. That when the students, when the leaders, when myself, when we go out into our community, when we go out into the world, we can share this is what we are all about, the meaning and purpose for what we do. So the passage that goes behind the idea of the word impact, and I spent many months praying over what direction we should do, what should be our DNA as a student ministry, and it comes from 1 Peter chapter 3. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So the phrase that we are pushing for our students to to take, for our leaders to take hold of, is this phrase. Impacting students who impact students. My desire 
as the youth pastor and our desire as leaders within our church is to impact, first of all, the students with the gospel and the love of Jesus. For students to be saved, for the students to know that they are in a relationship with Jesus. But it doesn't just stop there. So many ministries, so many churches, they stop at that. But I do not want us to stop there because that is just the beginning, the life change in their heart. And so now I pray that we impact them by equipping them, by equipping them to understand the scriptures, impacting them to have confidence in their faith that they know why they believe it, not just because I tell them or another person, pastor, parent, figure, whoever it may be, but that they know from the Bible why they believe what they believe about it. And then that they have confidence in that they can go around and share the gospel, that because they have confidence in their faith, they have confidence to go and tell it, and then help them have a biblical worldview so that they can see their life, the world, people, and everything that that entails through the lens of Scripture. And so the purpose of our ministry going forward is going to be impacting the students in our ministry with Jesus so that they can go out and impact the world around them. In light of this, we're going to be spending the next three weeks looking at why this is so important. How can you be ready to make an impact? And whether you are a student or not listening to this, you can make an impact for the kingdom. But what is it going to take? How can you actually know what you need to know, do what you need to do, be prepared the way you need to be prepared to make an impact on this world? And so the passage for this first message comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 28, all the way through 39. And the title of the message today is Confidence for an Impact. If you want to have an impact in this world, if you want to see lives changed through God using you, then you need to have confidence. So let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 39. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these who He foreknew, He also called. And these whom He called, He also justified. And these whom He justified, He also glorified. And what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ, Jesus, is he who died. Yes, rather, who, is, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword Just as it is written, 
For your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, but in all these things, we are overwhelmingly conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for this message. God, I pray for this time of Bible study. I pray for all the listeners. God, I pray for all those who will be diving into this. God, I pray that we look into your word. We look into our lives and see how we need to change. God, how we need to be on fire for you. God, how how we can be equipped to do all that you've called us to. God, I thank you that your word gives us all that we need for godliness and for the life that is ahead. God, we just pray for change. God, we pray to mold us and shape us into your image. God, we thank you for your son. In Jesus' name, amen. I recently came across this example of what happens if we do not have confidence. So there was this man, he was walking across a college campus, his arms and his bag was filled with books, and he passed by this fast food stand. And he was hungry, going to class, just like any of us would be, but he ordered something to eat, but he also got a milkshake to wash it all down. He was trying to balance carrying this stack of books, carrying this huge, heavy backpack, and on top of it, he put his food and he put his milkshake. You can envision exactly what's happening and more than likely what's probably about to happen here. So as he is trying to balance all of this, he decides to take a sip of his milkshake uh, because he's thirsty, and so he is trying to also find a place to sit down as well. So he takes a sip of his milkshake, and instead of it actually going in his mouth, it goes into his nose, totally misses it. No big deal. He's thinking, hey, I'll just slowly lift up my head. Nobody, Everybody's studying right now. Nobody's paying attention to me. So if I just do that, it was like it never happened. So he lifts up his head, and what happens? The straw comes out. The milkshake goes flying. He drops his books. He drops his food. All of that happens, and everyone of course, turns around, starts laughing, pulls out their phones, taking pictures of this dude, and he is utterly embarrassed because when he lifted up his head and all of that happened, he saw everyone ridiculing him, making fun of him. His suit is just destroyed from this milkshake. His food is all over the place. His books are probably ruined. In that moment, all of his confidence evaporated. And if we're honest with ourselves, life can hit us that way. We're trying to balance all of these things. We're trying to do this and do that. But something happens and we lose our confidence. We lose this sense that we can go out with boldness into this life. Because life can be hard. There is no person who does not experience difficulties in life. We all should be able to live with confidence, especially for followers of Jesus. And what we're going to see is that our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence only comes from Jesus. But Paul in this passage, he shares why 
we can be confident in Jesus. As followers of Christ, we have so much to be confident about, not in what we are and what we do in a prideful way, but in who our Savior is. So three reasons why you can live a confident life to make an impact in this world. Number one, confidence in your purpose. Confidence in your purpose. He says in verse 28, and we know. Now we can read very quickly past that, but this word in the Greek is an absolute certainty. It is, it is showing that we can have without a shadow of a doubt that this is going to happen. What's going to happen? That God causes all things to work together for good. See, Paul is sharing that we can know for certain that we are secure in God's hands. We can know for certain that God has a plan for your life. See, God's purpose and God's plan should give you confidence in your life. But just because you can know something, it doesn't mean you actually experience it. See, it's up to you to trust God's plan. It's up to you to trust God's control over your life. It's up to you to, to, to trust God's sovereignty over your life. And we have to be willing to rely on God for our confidence in our life when it comes to His purpose. Because a right understanding of God and His purpose for your life and truly surrendering to that is essential to living in confidence. But you have to have a right understanding of God. So let's talk about that very quickly. God is not limited in who He is. He is limitless. Let me explain this. Just, just, just picture this with me as much as you can. His love is limitless. There is no end to God's love. His grace is limitless. There is no end, never will be, never has been, an end to God's grace. God's wrath is limitless. He is just in who He is. He punishes sin. His mercy, though, is limitless. His mercy is, abounds forevermore. His knowledge is limitless. There's nothing that our God does not know in times past, in times present, and in times in the future. His power is limitless. There's nothing that can thwart God's control and God's plan and God's power. His goodness is limitless. There is no evil within our God. There is nothing wicked within our God. He is pure. He's perfect. He's holy. He is good. See, these are just a few examples of how our God has no limit. And if He has no limit, then God can work out anything, anything in your life for your benefit. He is a good good God who is in complete control over all things. Adrian Rogers, he said this, what we need is not a great faith, but a faith in a great God. I'll read that one more time. What, what we need is not a great faith, but a faith in a great God. There are very few things in our life that will take our confidence away if we do not have a strong faith. There, there, are, there are things in our life that's going to happen, whether it's pain, 
whether it's suffering, that if we do not have a strong faith, we will stumble. We will walk away. We will be concerned and confused and unsure about all the things in this life. And though we will not understand God's control, we will not understand God's plan, we may not even understand exactly what God is doing for many things in our life until we get to heaven. And even then, who knows if we will really understand it or not. But the point isn't whether we understand all that God is doing, but that we have a great faith in our great God. So, Because many ask the question, think about this, when pain happens, when suffering happens, how could a loving God allow blank in my life? How could God let this happen to me? And in some way, at some level, you struggle with this. I struggle with this. Everyone deals with this issue. But because God has a plan and a purpose, He can work even the darkest moments in your life for your good. If you're living in God's will, if you're living in God's purpose that He created you for, there is nothing, please hear me, there is nothing that can derail you from God's plan for your life, no matter how bad it seems. It may seem dark. It may seem like a valley in the shadow of death. But if you are in the will of God, there is no better place to be because all things that happen may not be good, but all things that happen, God can work it for good. And to illustrate this, uh, Lee Strobel, he interviewed a, an apologist in his book, in one of his Case 4 books. So Peter Kreeft shares this illustration of how we can work God's sovereignty and, and pain in our life. He illustrates this. He asks the question, would you agree that, there, that the difference between us and God is greater than the difference between, would you say, us and a bear? And of course the answer is yes. There is a big difference between us and a bear, but there's even greater difference between us and God. That our understanding, our comprehension, our intellect, all of those things. So yes, there's a difference. So Peter Kreef says, all right, let me tell you this. Imagine a bear is in a trap and a hunter who, out of sympathy, wants to liberate him wants to free him from this. So he tries to win the bear's confidence, but he can't do it. So he has to shoot the bear full of drugs so that the bear can be sedated so that he will be able to get the trap off of him. But the bear, however, thinks that this is an attack and the hunter is trying to kill him. He doesn't realize that this is done out of compassion. Then in order to get the bear out of the trap, the hunter has to push him further into the trap to release the tension on the spring. If the bear were semi-conscious at this point, he would have just been convinced that the hunter was his enemy and that the only conclusion was that this hunter was going to kill him in the end. But he reaches this incorrect conclusion because he's not a human being. He goes on to illustrate that think about this for a moment. If a bear can barely understand what the human is doing, even though the human is just trying to help, 
and that though there may be some more pain caused to help in the situation, the, the human has much uh, compassion for this bear. The same thing is true about us and God. The analogy can be taken to there are times in our life that God does the same thing. We can't comprehend it. We don't know why it's happening, but no more than a bear can understand the motivations of the hunter, we don't always understand the motivations and the things that's happening behind the scenes of God. But we do know one thing, that God is all love, that God is all good, that God has our best in mind, even though our best may not seem best to us, he can work all things out for our good if we trust him. So what is this plan that God has for us? He doesn't just say, hey, I have a plan. I can work all things out for good. And okay, there you go. He doesn't leave it there. He tells us what this plan is often in scripture. And he shares this also in Romans 8. God's plan for your life is not a job. God's plan for your life, when you think about God's will, is not a, the, the spouse that you have or will have. It's not the influence that you desire to have on social media or the influence you desire to have in your community or the legacy that you leave behind, the name that, that is attached to you. That's not God's plan for your life. God's plan is as simple as this. Be made into the likeness of Jesus. Everything that God does, everything that God allows in your life is to make you like Jesus. God has determined, God has planned for your purpose to glorify Him by resembling Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless in him. What are we chosen for? We are chosen to be blameless and holy. We are chosen to be made like Christ. And then in, in Romans 8, he, he says that, all things work together for good those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, in verse 29, he also predestined. Predestined to what? It connects with Ephesians. To be conformed into the image of his Son. When you gave your life to Jesus, you received the Holy Spirit. The, whole, the old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are a new creation. You have Jesus' righteousness placed in your life. And because the Holy Spirit indwells you, you should be driven to be made like Jesus. And so if there's little desire to be like Jesus, you have to ask yourself, do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you have no desire to be like Jesus, then do you even have Jesus? And a preacher friend of mine used to say this, when you receive Jesus, he will change your wanter. He will change your wanter. You may not desire the things of God. You won't desire the things of God, rather, before Jesus. But you should be desiring the things that God has for you 
when you encounter Jesus and your life is changed by him. And there's a word that's used here, and it's justification. And justification is this idea that we are made right with God, that sin has captivated us, that sin has held us in bondage, that we are held guilty and held in shame over our sin, but we are freed from the guilt and shame because of Jesus. But it is impossible for the people who are far from God to be like Jesus. We can't be like Jesus until we have Jesus. And that happens if you're listening to this and you do not know without a doubt that you have a relationship with Jesus. It happens through repenting of your sins and trusting in him, that you turn from your sins and you trust in Jesus. You are made right with God. That relationship is restored, the purpose of your life to be in relationship with Jesus. And in that moment, when you give your life to Christ, justification happens. Now, it's not just autopilot. You don't just, well, hey, um, my, my, my mom, my dad, my uh, siblings, look, they're all saved, so I'll just be justified and, I, and I'll be saved and, and I'll go to heaven. But hey, because they are. Because, look, I've grown up in church my whole life. I know the Bible. It's all good. I, I serve here and there. I go to VBS. I take care of things. Look, I'm not a bad person. It doesn't just happen. We have to turn and trust in Jesus. But when you do that, you now have this walk and this process that happens in your life to day by day be made like Christ. That's a word called sanctification. You are being sanctified. You are being made pure. It's a process that happens your entire life to shape you into the image of Jesus. And here's the definition from Scripture what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Right here. Here's the best definition that I could give you. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh, by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave up himself for me. There, you, you can't try harder to be like Christ. You can't try to do more and do all these religious things that's going to make you like Christ. You just need to trust more. Trust God to shape you. Trust God to, to give you what you need because you don't have it in yourself to do it. You do it in your strength, you're not going to make it. That's why trying harder will not fix it. It's not a self-help program. It is a reliance and a surrender to the God of the universe. So your purpose, your plan gives you confidence because you know that you've been justified by faith and you know that God is shaping you and molding you into his son. No matter what is happening around you, God can use it for good. Number two, confidence in your support. Confidence in your support. We see this in verses 31 through 36. And the phrase that can sum all of this up is if God is for us, who can be against us? You see that in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We don't have time to dive into all the ins and outs of what's happening here, but I can tell you this. A way to translate this is because God is for you, 
There's nothing that should ever stop you, no matter the person, no matter the circumstances. Your God is your full support. There is no one that can rob you of God's purpose and plan for your life. Psalm 27, one of my favorite passages and verses in all the scriptures. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God is the one who shields you. God is the one who protects you when the attacks come in life. God is your shelter when the storm rages on. God is your freedom when you are held in bondage. God is your helper when you are in time of need. God is the savior of your souls. You need God's support. And men, if you are listening, you are going to struggle with this a whole lot more than most women will. Because, hey, real men don't need anybody. I got this. I got this taken care of. This whole idea of individualism within our culture and within our society has pushed that you don't need anyone else. You don't need anyone's help. You are the lone ranger who doesn't need anything. But the reality is, is even the lone ranger had Tonto and he needed help and you need help as well. Because culture promotes constantly. We, are, we see it in media. We see it in movies. We see it in books. We see it even in commercials. We see it everywhere that all you need to look out is for number one, and that is you. That you need to be self-sufficient, that you can't trust anyone else. You only need yourself. Now, you can't trust yourself. Here's the thing. You can't rely on yourself because you can't trust yourself. The Bible says that we are deceitfully wicked. We, we have a sin nature. We do not naturally desire what is good. And we can be deceived even by ourselves. We're not often deceived by other people. Many times we deceive ourselves. We can believe our own lie that we are trying to live. So if that's the case... And we can even deceive ourselves. How can we trust ourselves if we're often the ones who are deceiving ourselves? So we need something that's outside of us. We need someone, rather, that is outside of us who gives us strength and power to do what we need to do to carry us through to the end. And Paul shows us how God is our support. He's our giver. God is the one who gives what we need. See, he said in verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? God promises to bless us and to give us exactly what we want. No. <laughs> nope. Not what we want what we need. God promises to give us exactly what we need. But this is where the breakdown happens. This is where the rubber meets the road. What we think we need, what you may think you need, and then what God knows you need may be two completely different things. See, God has proven all through Scripture that He's good. God has proven all through Scripture that He is all love. And that he will bless us and that he will guide us. And he showed and proved that. 
He demonstrated that in the most powerful way by sending Jesus. So if he can give us Jesus and salvation, then he can give us all that we need in life. John MacArthur, he said, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us is not only the foundation for our salvation, but also for our security. What he's saying here is that the reality that Jesus has given us salvation is not just, hey, this is the basic foundations of our faith. This is what secures us in every aspect of our life. Do we know we're in God's hand if he has given us the salvation that we need for our souls? What everything we need comes from God. Second Peter 1.3, seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his son, glory and excellence. But he also doesn't just give, but God is our defender. God is the one who defends us. Picture this and, and, and walk this through with me. If you were accused of robbing a bank, how would you defend yourself? You can't stop accusations from happening. It doesn't matter how hard you try, especially in the world of social media and the world of, of, of everything being in a glass house, you will be accused. But let's say you were accused of robbing a bank. Hopefully not, but let's say you are. How are you going to defend yourself? Well, you're going to try to prove that you weren't even at that bank. But let's say you were. Let's say you were at some point at that day. You were at the bank, okay? Well, you're going to share why you were there, what you were doing, your bank statements, your withdrawals, your all the, the the people you talked to. You would try to get eyewitnesses to where you were, what you were doing, when you left, when you came. Then you would also contact people who knew what you were doing at the time of the bank robbery, that you were at a outing or that you were at home or whatever was happening in your life during that time. You would try to find ways to prove that that was not me. It may have looked like me. It may they that person may have even dressed just like me, but that was not me. And in our lives as followers of Jesus, Satan is our accuser. When you sin, there's accusations to your sin. Now, here's the reality. Those accusations are true. We all sin. Romans is very clear on that, that we are all sinners, not just uh, those who aren't saved, but those who are saved. We still sin as followers of Christ. So we need a a attorney. We need our defense attorney who will stand in the way of the accusations. And that is exactly what Jesus does for us. He stands up and it's almost like he yells, justified by my blood, saved by my grace, given freedom over their sin. And Jesus is making intercession for us before God. It is as if Jesus is stretching out his arms and showing the nail-pierced hands, the holes in his feet, the beatings on his body. And he says, by this they are healed. But without Jesus, that is not your hope. Without Jesus, you do not have the defender over your sin. And that is why it's so important to have a relationship with Jesus. But as a follower of Jesus, you are made right with God and nothing can take you away from that. He also gives us love. He, he, he gives us salvation. He's also our defender, but God is also our lover. 
God's love for you will never fade. Because check this out. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies, who is the one who condemns. Christ Jesus, the one who died, yes, rather, who was raised from the dead. And who will separate us, verse 35, from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, will distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? He's saying that nothing is going to put an end to God's love for you. 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. No matter the difficulty, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter how dark it seems, you can be sure of God's love for you. And one of the most confident things that we have in life is knowing that someone loves us. I mean, picture it with me that, that if you feel like no one cares for you, that is a lonely place to be. But when you know that someone does genuinely care about your well-being, that someone has a love for you, then it is the most encouraging thing. And it can get you through some of the darkest and most hard times in life. That's exactly what God's love should do for us. Because His love never ends, we should be confident that we can go out and live this life how He has called us to no matter what because of his love. And lastly, number three, for us to have confidence and the way that we can have confidence is confidence in your victory. Confidence in your victory. That's from verses 37 through 39. Just as we uh, need confidence in our faith, that we need confidence in God's purpose and plan for our life, we need God's confidence in the victory that he has for us. Verse 37, but in all things, we are overwhelmingly conquerors. Or one translation says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. No matter what threatens your confidence in Jesus, you are a conqueror in him. Victory was won at the cross. Life is difficult. We've, we've seen that. We've know, we know that. But victory is not found in our circumstances. Victory is not found in what we have. Victory is not found in your relationships you have with people or how intelligent you are. Victory is found in the victory on the cross. Warren Wearsby, here's a quote from him. He says, God assures us that the difficulties of life are working for us, not against us, because we are victorious. What does it look like to have victory? When you have victory, you are stronger. Because think about it. When you go through trials, it brings about perseverance. James talks about that in all things, have joy when, when trials come your way. Because when trials come, that it grows your character. It makes you into and shapes you into God's image. It's like the, the fire refining the gold. That the trials in life, so often, if we let them, we will come out stronger in the end. Consider it all joy. He says all joy when you encounter different trials. 
because through that testing, through those trials, we will come out perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But also having victory, we have an ultimate reward. We know that we do not lose our reward of heaven, that we will be in the presence of God, that we are in God's possession, and that the greatest reward that we will have are not the crowns that God will give us. The Bible says we're going to lay them back at his feet because we are so unworthy of those. The greatest reward that we have is the very presence of God, that you will be in God's presence without hindrance forever and ever. What an amazing thing that that is going to be for us to be in God's presence. And just as a person who exercises, just as a person who tries to get in shape for a movie is is working out, not necessarily because they want to be healthy, but because they want that reward. What's that reward? They want the money from the movie. All those actors go through this terrible regime of of dieting and exercising so they can get fit for that specific part. Why? Because they're doing it for a movie so they can get their money. They're going to get their millions from making and, and being determined to make their body in the shape that they're asked to do it. And our reward for living for Jesus is God's presence, the unhindered uh, very presence of God. And that is worth it every single time. So in closing, you were created to make an impact in this world. When you got saved, Jesus didn't just shoot you up like a bottle rocket to heaven because you have a purpose And this purpose is for you to be like Jesus, for you to live sold out in full surrender to the Savior of your souls. So please do not let anything stop you from being like Jesus. Do not let anything stop you from being faithful to the one who is so faithful for you. And your confidence in your faith in God will carry you through some of the darkest times in your life. And you may not understand everything that's happening You may not understand what God is doing, but you can understand one thing. God is for you. He is not against you. Thank you for listening to Firmly Planted Podcast, where we dive into the scriptures together. And if you have not yet, please subscribe. Please share with your friends and family who may benefit from this. And we would love to get this in as many hands as possible, not because of me, but because of glorifying God and desiring for others to know God more. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Firmly Planted Podcast.